You're listening to the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast, hosted by me, Kyle Langan, the founder of Hamptons to Hollywood. We're here to help you discover life's casual luxuries, from the Hamptons to L.A. and everywhere in between. We're so stoked to celebrate Women's History Month this March by introducing a theme on Hamptons to Hollywood for the month, Embracing Femininity. All of the content you see produced on Hamptons to Hollywood in March will center around that theme. And we could not be more thrilled to bring it to you in partnership with Liverpool Jeans. Liverpool Jeans is a brand that I personally can't get enough of because they make pants that actually fit. Like any body type all the time. Which makes me feel super confident. We all know there's nothing like clothes that actually fit right to put an extra pep in your step. They feature jeans for fashion forward, always on the go, women and men. The pieces can seamlessly take you from work to the weekend, and each one has that casual luxury vibe that is perfectly Hamptons to Hollywood. Plus, they're LA-based. And I have a discount exclusively for Hamptons to Hollywood podcast listeners. Click the banner ad on our site or go to liverpooljeans.com to shop Liverpool's entire collection and take a whopping 25% off when you enter code HOLLYWOOD25 at checkout. That's HOLLYWOOD25, H-O-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D-25. You guys, seriously, we're obsessed with this brand and the discount comes just in time to enhance your spring wardrobe. Happy shopping. Today on the podcast is worldwide model, activist, and entrepreneur, Emily Sears. Emily has been a successful model for over a decade and has graced major magazine covers like Maxim. Over the years, she's used her enormous social media platforms to advocate for women's rights and shed light on the inequalities women face daily. I was so excited to talk to her on my birthday, no less, in front of a live audience. And I'm so proud to be able to call her my friend. You'll hear that there was a major disruption by an unruly audience member toward the middle of our conversation, and, well, you'll see. This is a conversation that was originally produced by Town Hall Los Angeles. Emily, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you all of you for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, we're excited to celebrate Women's History Month, and um, we couldn't think of a better person to, oh, sorry, I'm just getting adjusted. These chairs are new. <laughs> this is like, yeah. um, we couldn't think of a better person to have, so thank you again for coming. So people, a lot of people here and people all over the globe are very familiar with you um, from largely your social media presence. You've done a lot of modeling, of course. Um, and before I get into a lot of that, I wanted to just start with a little anecdote. You made, were some media headlines, and I guess it was maybe within the past year, um, it was picked up by BuzzFeed. But you had been speaking about, or you had a lot of, and still do, I'm sure, a lot of men who um, send inappropriate messages to you and pictures through Instagram and a lot of your social media channels. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to see if you could talk about that and the interesting and... um, you know, unorthodox, but great way that you respond to that kind of harassment. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad we're starting with the dick pics. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was interesting because, you know, it, it's kind of was this funny thing. Like, it was hilarious. It was just this, like, casual, funny thing. Um, a friend of mine who's also a model, we used to just, like, send each other, you know, these pictures that guys would send us of their dicks. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we would have this ongoing joke. We're like, haha, I'm going to like look for his mom and like send and like respond to him with a picture of his mother or like forward it to his wife or like whatever it is, you know? <laughs> so that's just like, a, it was like an in joke that I had with her, Laura. You're right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just casually tweeted about it one day and this woman sent me a DM and she's like, Hey, like, I'd love to do a story about this. Um, and I was like, sure, whatever. I thought nothing of it at all. Um, and I guess, you know, she ended up being a writer for BuzzFeed and it became the number one trending article on BuzzFeed for about four weeks. So super viral. And it was interesting for me because, you know, I've always held the beliefs that I have 
about women's empowerment and, and you know, how I feel about things and my life experiences have shaped that. But um, I was finally given this platform and I wasn't necessarily ready for it. And it was something to me that felt, you know, it was funny. Like, you know, you're talking about dicks, like, ha-ha, you know. But I, what happened was um, I had actually done a uh, TV interview in Australia with this um, show called The Project. It's kind of like a Tonight Show or something like that, but it's more of a panel format. But it's that kind of um, thing, and it's, uh, it, it's a really prominent thing in Australia. And um, one of the presenters, when I was talking about um, you know, this whole story, was like, well, you, know, you post sexy pictures of yourself. Like, aren't, you, aren't you asking for it? And so in that moment, I was like, oh, shit, like, this isn't funny. Like, I'm, I'm now being thrust into an area where I'm, I'm now going to have to be talking about, like, victim blaming, rape culture. And I never sort of considered myself um, an advocate for that kind of thing. Because, you know, I probably had much the same beliefs as myself that a lot of people do, which is like, oh, you're a model, like, it's not your lane, like, you can't talk about that. Um, but yeah. then, you know, I was just like, well, mm -hmm. I need to. And if I'm going to talk about this and, and, and if this is going to be something that I discuss, I need to know what I'm talking about. So that was kind of the catalyst for me to get more and more information and really apply myself to if I'm going to talk about these things, I need to, I need to know what I'm talking about. And then that just opened up a whole, oh, a whole new world. A whole new world, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been an interesting kind of turn that my yeah. career has taken. And, like, it's been a... Funny dichotomy. No, that's really fascinating. Um, and I definitely want to talk about your career, too, but I, and because I think that's what, obviously, you're known for um, most. But I also want to talk to you about the woman behind the editorial, you know, the girl that grew up in Australia. So um, you obviously hail from what part of Australia? I was um, born in Perth, which is Western Australia. Mm -hmm. um, but we moved to Melbourne when I was still a baby so Melbourne's okay. definitely my hometown okay yeah and and what was you know growing up there like and how much influence did your family have particularly the women in your family um the women in my family uh actually it, it, it's it's really fascinating like I'll, they're practical Australian women are very practical mm -hmm. and I think um growing up there was wonderful and I definitely appreciate it living here now, having that kind of be my base growing up, because it was just very much like by the beach every weekend. Um, you know, my mom doesn't yeah. really wear much makeup, things like that. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting about my family is that my grandmother's sister was actually a very famous model in the 1950s. Yeah. So I often felt like I didn't um, belong in my family. Like I was like putting faux fur around, you know? <laughs> like I was like was swanning around in my house and... Mum was like, I don't know where she gets this from, but um, my grandmother's sister, um, she's passed now, but her name was Wendy Martin, and she was um, 1956 Australian Model of the Year, oh. and she was discovered by Helmut Newton on Collins Street in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, she had an amazing career, and she actually lived out here in Los Angeles and had the most incredible life. Wow. So, yeah, I've definitely feel like I follow in her footsteps in a lot of ways because right. she was really badass. Like, she went yeah. through a lot. And, um, yeah, just, like, a real amazing life story. She was an incredible woman. And I used to come out here and visit her. Wow. You know, in my teenage years on Swan. She had, like, a closet full of, like, you know, vintage Chanel. And I would, right. like, swan around, you know. <laughs> so having her be in my family definitely made me feel like, okay, I am, like... It's in my blood. Yeah, yeah. There is a connection here. So, like, how oh. much I'm into, like, glamour and mm -hmm. stuff like that. What, um, and I was going to ask you this about, you know, Australia and your heritage, but do you think that, how much of that plays into how outspoken you are um, about feminism and about women's issues? Do you think, like, is, is Australia, how is it different, I guess, how they're, treatment of women are they more receptive are they more supportive of women there versus here on a whole other side note I feel like even talking about Australia for me is like so crazy in the last few days knowing that the shooter of in New Zealand is like that was in a, a white Australian like me you know and that's been really like plaguing me and I've mm -hmm. been kind of like even being out here so long like questioning what does it even mean 
Because Australia yeah. just, you know, you wouldn't have like really heard of something like that right. when I was growing up there. So that it's such a layered question. Like there's so much to that this week, you know. <laughs> um, but aside from that, I think there is a lot of differences um, culturally. And I remember I had a I had a relationship when I first moved out here to LA, and I remember um, talking to my ex, and he was like, you know what do you mean? Why don't you just understand? Like, and I was like, you realize I'm, I'm foreign. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm just as foreign as somebody that's maybe from like Russia or something. But right. like, I don't, I speak English. So you just, I speak English and I'm white. So you just think that I'm like just American just like and it's you. so different yeah. actually. Um, back home, I would say that men and women, the dynamic in relationships is probably a lot more equal. And there's kind of like good and bad with that. It's not like, necessarily like a good it's just different mm -hmm. um like if you go out on a date it's more equal you know it's just more like yeah just understood yeah and and i think with that is wonderful but i think um the trade-off there is like i guess guys there aren't as like chivalrous or right there's not kind of like like traditional dynamic it's just kind of a lot more like easygoing but what i will say is um i feel like back back home if a guy like says something you just know what he's saying is true and you just don't second guess it you know yeah. it's just it's a culture of really like just being about your word um you know right um you know we were talking about you growing up and I think that it's I mean it seems like you definitely have a lot of self-confidence and a lot of self-belief and there's a lot of girls I think that are raised that to understand that they don't amount to as much as a man does. And I just wanted to see, get your opinion on what can we teach young girls or how can we foster their self-esteem? I guess my answer to that is, what can we teach young boys? That was my next question. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> and I get frustrated with this, right? Because it's like, it's such a conditioned response to like, well, what can we teach young girls about the fact that like, you know, things aren't equal. It's like, even that in itself kind of like that that maintains the narrative of being how it is like we mm -hmm. i think that we really should be talking to young boys about things like consent or young boys about like just not being horrible right you know yeah, yeah no i mean that was literally my next question i was going to bring up toxic masculinity i know you and i have talked about that a lot right. and i think it's becoming um more headlined or more in the news when with a lot more support of like gender fluidity now and how toxic toxic masculinity or people are recognizing that it is really toxic and so I was going to ask you what you know what can we teach you know young boys or what would you teach say to your son you know if you had a son about I think that um young boys need to be taught about consent first and foremost um I think that's really important I'm not a parent myself, so when it, if you were talking to me about like age as where that's appropriate and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, I don't know. <laughs> like I, you know, that I that I couldn't tell you, but I think it's important. And yeah. you know, I just think that we've got a lot of young girls. I mean, myself, I even remember being sexualized really, honestly, as a child. You know, wow. like it's like walking to school, wearing a school uniform. You know, guys hanging out the window when it's like you're yeah. a kid. Switching topics just a little bit. So you started modeling in Australia and then you moved to Los Angeles um, what was that I mean you kind of just alluded to the fact that the transition was a little bit tricky um, everyone has a, a crazy moving to LA story and but how did you start to kind of um, adjust to living here and how did you start to build the audience that you have now um, yeah, it was interesting. Like, I'd already done so much in Australia um, in terms of my career. So when I came out here, I was like, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, honestly, I had a couple of years there where I was like, fuck. Right. <laughs> um, but what I started to do was um, shoot streetwear, like shoot in a guy's shirt rather than just like in a bikini. Like I was mm -hmm. like shooting like a guy's hoodie and then... Um, with all the streetwear brands, they're usually representative of like a subculture, right? So it's like, if you shoot for like a, a skateboarding brand, that's a whole subculture of guys that are really, really obsessed with skateboarding and then right. they have diehard fans associated. So it was like, I would, 
I started so you would to just, kind of sample yeah, each different kind of right, and so I was shooting like across the board <clears throat> of all these kind of like subculture, like streetwear um, brands, and then I guess that's how the following originally accumulated. Yeah, because a lot of those brands as well, like say you can shoot for like Vans or something like that, they have a women's division too. So right. it's like that's how I kind of transitioned from like just modeling like the sexy bikini stuff to like modeling a guy's shirt and then modeling the girls' shirts in that brand oh, and then brand. like, oh, you're modeling girls' clothes and then modeling like dresses. So it was just like kind of a seamless cool. transition and then yeah. the following came from the diehard fans associated with like each one of those. And that's when social media was really starting to like take off. Yeah, that was around like, I remember like the start of Instagram. Yeah. I was like going through a terrible break. <laughs> it was like <laughs> the worst time ever. And I remember, I remember around that time, I think it was like Diamond sent me like my first like package of clothes yeah. to like post a picture. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I get a free, free <laughs> hoodie or something. Right. You know, and who knew it was going to grow into like what it's become, right? It's just, but that was the start of it. But I think it's, it, that really turned into you kind of taking back control and ownership of who you are. I think, and, and for a lot of other people who have found Instagram um, as a platform to model and to be successful. But, I mean, you've said before, social media empowers women to represent themselves how they want as opposed to what industries demand. Right. I think, you know, the, the conversation around social media and its existence and its implication, I think, is, like, very... It's kind of, like, two teams in it. Yeah. I, I personally think it's great. I know there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of downfall about it, and, and it's very valid that people have their concerns. I mean, a lot of people are comparing themselves to other people online and, like, you know, feeling like they don't measure up or feeling like not good. I, I definitely think that's valid, but I do think that we wouldn't be where we're at now in terms of, like, accepting all these different types of models and the diversity we're seeing now in the fashion industry and, and just, like, across the board, like, so many, so many fashion houses and stuff that like in campaigns they're really being more inclusive and I think that's a direct result of having social media because it has taken modeling and the industry from being an agency in control of sending you out to that casting or telling the advertisers who they should have and why and it's given us a direct to consumer mm -hmm. ability to prove ourselves and say hey you thought I was like only good for this because of my body type but look at all these people that are interested in like the makeup I'm wearing the stuff I'm yeah. doing like where I'm going on vacation like a whole world has opened up and I think that's so important because it's shown these brands and these like dinosaur old fashioned people <laughs> that like people want to see themselves represented that's right. all it comes down to like it's people want to see people that look like them feel like them and they may have some comparison in that and I get that that may be have some negative connotation, but I think that's something that we can manage. And I think the more and more um, influence ourselves, like people like me, can be honest and and just be like very authentic and mm -hmm. out day to day, and not kind of act like things are just so perfect all the time. Like yeah. that's kind of the bridging of the gap of like how to eliminate that. Yeah. Why do you think it's so hard for you know as you become as you become successful as a model? Why do you think it's so hard for you to be for women to be this and this, right? A model and an activist, a mother and a businesswoman. This could be a whole talk in itself, because <laughs> I'll just rant. Like, I'll just go off. <laughs> but what is, why is that so triggering for I, people? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, and it's crazy. You know, I think even the label of beautiful itself the fact that we've just kind of like shrunken that down and made it to be about like one thing or another is so maniacal to me. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it, I just think that this, it's conditioning, obviously. Like, this is like years and years and layers and layers of conditioning. Right. And like, I don't know, even the fact to me that there's like trends in body types is so crazy. Like, if you look over the his course of history, right, it's like the body type that was like popping like in the 1950s or the 20s, they're all so different. And it's like, how does a body type Dictate. even trend? It's yeah, like, yeah. Why, how, why, why are we even seeing that? It, it's difficult for me to comprehend. Like my, growing up, my parents were art publishers. So I had the good fortune of being surrounded by so much art as a kid. Um, 
everything from like Milton Green's photographs of Marilyn Monroe mm -hmm. to like you know all types of representations of of women's bodies, yeah. you know, photography, art, sculpture, all of it. So it's never made sense to me that we just assign pretty or beautiful to one type of body. Type. Yeah. And even within that, even when you were getting into like, okay, what's beautiful and what's like attractive and acceptable, I think that there's layers inside that as mm -hmm. well. It's like, yeah. are you pretty guys like you pretty or are you pretty like you're you're good and graceful and good enough for fashion pretty or you right. thin? like there's so many layers like within it, it's crazy it's the way people want to compartmentalize women and just categorize us in like if you're this you're that and it's just right. it drives me crazy <laughs> which is why i talk about this you know right. that's why i think it's so important to talk about because who says anyone? No, it was anything? actually it was actually really interesting. When I was promoting this event, I received, um, and I shared this with you, but like some backlash from, you know, people with a more um, I, I mean I'm just being very diplomatic, but like a traditional point of view, right? And just because they see a woman who is a model speaking about women's issues they were like i'm not interested in, in attending something like that because it would it seems frivolous to them or like it doesn't matter right and i got so mad <laughs> and i'm a guy right and so and i and i because i'm protective of you but also because i'm a proponent for equality you know and i just made me think really empathize with you and i can't imagine how you must deal with something like that every single day where you know, you're judged off of your appearance or you're judged off of an idea of, of who you are, you know? It's, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. I mean, I've, I've definitely had my moments in the last few years where, I, I mean, I feel very fortunate. First and foremost, the fact that I'm even able to even sit here and talk about this as a topic is like, I'm very grateful for that, you yeah. know? But there has been times where I've been in spaces and I've felt like, weird or uncomfortable or just kind of like why are you here and it what's fascinating about that is that's happened in I mean I've been in rooms with like anyone you could name that's like the who's who of like women's empowerment at this time mm -hmm. like every, you know the actresses and all, all of them in the one room and I, I remember being in um, one particular luncheon uh, last year actually I think it was and um, I don't want to name her because I actually respect a lot of what she has to say but she went on off on this tangent of like how we shouldn't we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to these girls on social media and just went on this rampage about like don't get a boob job or like don't you know edit your picture or put a filter or whatever and I felt in that moment very small and I was like well I I like I like doing that and it's yeah, fine and it's right. like okay to just enjoy things and like on, this is probably a little bit different, but on the topic of you, you know, feeling like uncomfortable or something, has there ever been a situation where you've been working or modeling, like you know, appearing on the cover of Maxim, for example, where you, where it's, it's compromised your belief in, you know, in feminism or in women's equality? Has there ever been a situation where you're like, you know, no, this is where I'm going to draw the line because that's too objectifying or something like that? I've definitely said no to things. I definitely have things that for me personally are just not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, like off the top of my head, like one of my stipulations is um, if I'm going to, if it's going to be a sexy shoot, my face needs to be in the picture. I just don't mm. want to be like a random Limb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. But, and that's not to judge. I, I want to make it like really, really clearly stated I don't have a problem with anything that any woman decides to do. Right. You know, I've got girlfriends of mine that are like adult performers and great. Like you do you, like that's you and your boundaries. And I just kind of wish that like more people would take that kind of stance. Like to me, it's all about like what is good for you, how you feel empowered it has nothing to do with me. Right. You know, um, but there is a lot of judgment that comes along with it. Don't worry. We'll be right back. You know how it's nearly impossible to find jeans that actually fit right? Well, Liverpool Jeans has you covered. Not only do they make finding your size on their website super easy, but they also offer a total wardrobe solution for busy on-the-go people, which is basically everybody in LA, right? 
It's truly one-stop shopping, but for the casual luxury pieces you've always wanted, which is oh so Hamptons to Hollywood. Liverpool Jeans' design director personally approves every garment that leaves their studio. And you can tell, because each jean, jacket, and trouser fits perfectly. I can attest. I am so stoked to offer an exclusive 25% off discount to Hamptons to Hollywood podcast listeners. Head to liverpooljeans.com and enter code HOLLYWOOD25 at checkout for 25% off. That's Hollywood25 for 25% off. Sure, spring cleaning is great, but spring shopping is so much more fun. Now, back to the conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, that brings up something else. I mean, I think you're, you're a role model to a lot of people, and I think it's because you are truly unapologetically yourself all the time and there could be people who disagree with your perspective or point of view on something but you don't waver on it and I think that's really admirable um how do you kind of digest being a role model is it something you think about um it's funny you know like even even talking to you guys right here right now it's like I feel like I'm putting these ideas just like out into the stratosphere that's the crazy thing about social media right it's almost like you see the numbers of followers and likes, and it's like mentally you don't even really think all of those numbers are, are representing actual humans. <laughs> it's like we're talking to actual people, and it's like going out there, and that's something that I think if I was conscious of would probably make me a little nuts. Yeah, you know? I'm sure, yeah. So a lot of the time it's just kind of like a cathartis, like I'm like throwing it out there, I'm just, you know, saying stuff, so. Um, when you... How do you deal with some of the black backlash that you get? Um, I've, it's taken me a long time, but I've come to understand and realize that it's just not about me. Yeah. Um, because fundamentally, if people aren't interacting with me, they don't know me personally, it can't be about me. Um, with that, kind of makes me desensitized a lot of the time to praise also. Mm. Like, it's just kind of like, you, you, can't, you can't really take one or the other because I think fundamentally at the end of the day people are always coming from their conditioning and they're always projecting their own experiences, their own judgments, their own perceptions onto a, an image. Right. And and if somebody has any type of reaction to an image of my body, I'm it's just a body. I don't I don't even feel necessarily that like, I see pictures of me, and I know it's me, but it, I just, is like, yeah, I, maybe that sounds kind of weird, but I just, I don't really feel that associated with, like, right. a picture of myself. It does, it, I know it's me, but it doesn't necessarily feel, like, representative of me as a human being. Yeah. So, if people are reacting to that, and then making judgments based upon that, and coming to conclusions, and behaving, you know, however they want to behave because of it... It's kind of got nothing to do with me, mm -hmm. right? So it's it, kind of like I can't. I completely agree. I can no longer absorb it. Yeah. When I was thinking about you, I was thinking about this quote because I think it's. It reminds me of you, um, and it goes like this: Any woman who chooses to behave like a full human being should be warned that the armies of the status quo will treat her as something of a dirty joke. She will need her sisterhood. And that's by Gloria Steinem. But it really struck a chord with me when I was thinking about you because you do behave like a full human being. Like you were just saying, like, why should we not be proud of our bodies or make the choices that we have? I mean, if you're getting like a breast augmentation or whatever, like you should be um, proud of that. You know what I mean? And I think that what you're doing, it represents really nice duality because you're saying you can be really strong and empowered and impassioned about a topic, but you can also be really vulnerable and loving and tender in the, in the right moments too. And I think that that, is, that exemplifies what you're doing and what your platform is. I appreciate that a lot. No, I think yeah. it's true. Um, you know, it's interesting when you bring up you know, in terms of, like, the, the boob job stuff, I mean, who even cares? But, but with that, what is very interesting to me and what bothers me a lot is we're in, a, we're in a space now where people are having this conversation about, like, body acceptance and, you know, body shaming, and, and it's so positive in a lot of ways, but I do feel like there's this kind of, like, weird gap or disconnect where it's, like, 
me personally, before I had a real job, I would just like talk about this because why not? <laughs> I had a lot of insecurities and I came, I, I, I was like shamed for my body yeah. to the point where I went and got my boobs done. I had like a mental block with that. And what's really hard and gross to me is like experiencing the body shaming that leads women to want to have a procedure done. And then they get the procedure done thinking like, okay, I'm going to feel good about myself. And on the other side of it is like, you're a fake bitch. Oh, you got your boobs on, you fake slut. Like, right. It's like, you can't... What am I supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. That, that I just feel like... I don't know what the answer to that is, but I know that where it's at currently, that's not... Where we want to be. Still, that's still body shaming. Like yeah. judging people, judging the morality or like what they do right. or how sexually active they are based upon like that kind yeah. of thing. It's like, that's not progressive in any way. I agree. You know? um, and in that quote, you know, referencing your sisterhood, what I, what I love about you is that you're, you're always bringing up other women and you're, you seem to have a lot of like, great female friends. And so who in your sisterhood or maybe in a larger context of a sisterhood inspires you? Oh God, I, there's so many women that inspire me and I, I really feel extremely fortunate that I've been able to create a network of women that genuinely just keep me thriving mm -hmm. and it's across the board like there's so many women that I've met even like in the social media space that are just truly remarkable women and um, I think what's interesting again about this time like we're that we're in, you know, we're talking a lot about women's empowerment and there's a lot of men that are like interested in allyship and like what that means and like yeah. what it means to be a man, a man who's like interested in like women's empowerment and activism. And, and I appreciate that so much, but I still, it's the, it's my women, <laughs> women in my life that yeah. I feel really support me. Right. You know? yeah. And just having that is so important. And, and I just think like, the more as women we can just look I always say this as women we are put into a ring and we are put in categories and we are put into a competition that fundamentally none of us can win mm -hmm. because if you're the smart girl then you're not this if you're that girl then you're not that if you're this you're not that and if we can all just kind of step out of that box and show up for each other we're actually all of us are actually all things right we're all smart. We're all beautiful. We've all got our different talents and we've all got our different gifts and mm -hmm. things to say and stories. And it's just like the more we can get outside of anything at all that categorizes us in any way and come, come together and bond, yeah. that's, I think, really, really important, particularly moving forward. I'm sure everyone here knows this because we have usually very educated crowds, but the, word, the definition of... The word feminist, I think it, people think for some reason that it means women over men, and it doesn't. In Merriam-Webster, it says the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. And I think you're bravely attacking an antiquated stereotype, you know, about like women like burning their bras like they were doing in the 60s, and you're right. saying, no, like let's wear them, and like it's fine, you know? Um, do you think that a lot of the backlash you get is because you're trying to move feminism in a new direction and change the culture? I don't think that necessarily feminism is moving in a new direction. I think the world is moving in a new direction. And so obviously the role of women within that world is going to just evolve. Right. You know? The ways by which you're promoting it, I think, are the things that are changing. Right, yeah. right. Um, what, I, what I will usually say, in terms of what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to achieve and how I use my platform and why, I... I definitely have an amazing group of women that are really fundamentally like diehard feminists and really support me and I and I'm really appreciative of that and um, I love that but the reality is I do have a lot of men that follow me yeah and um, sometimes I kind of look at what I do as like almost like infiltration <laughs> you know yeah like there's a lot of guys that are looking at like maybe my pictures they might just think I'm pretty maybe they saw me on a you know one of my model friends pages and they're not necessarily seeking this information but I think that there's a power in that that's 
kind of almost more important. Yeah. Because if, if in, as women we're just in spaces only with each other and only connecting to each other, we already know what we're talking what we're about. Ta- yeah. Like we already know what it is. So we're just kind of, it's like an echo chamber almost. So I try to make it so that what I'm putting out into the world is, you know, the guys that follow me, they aren't necessarily seeking this information, but it's planting seeds of thought. And yeah. it's sharing articles and making them just... If, even if they just click on one link, they might get one nugget of an idea mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't consider myself powerful enough to change somebody's mind overnight. But, you know, if it's... Over and that, over, yeah. yeah. If it's over and over, if they just see it, maybe down the line, the next time they're in a situation where maybe yeah. a guy is saying something derogatory. Well, yeah, that was my next question. I was just going to say, what can men do? You know, like, what can the men who want to be allied with you, what can they... How can they better um, support women overall? And more importantly, I think, what can they say to other men to, you know, promote equality? Men need to be the ones that do a thing. Right. And it's like, actually, like, maybe just don't do a thing. You know, like, maybe just, like, let us, let us just speak and and believe us and and listen and, and engage in a way that's just like, yeah, you know, allow us, allow us to be heard and don't center yourself and make it about you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That is exactly what we're trying to speak out against. (laughs) Um, I mean, but that's part of it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I wanted, I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to. Um, we will open up for Q and A in a second. And I'm sorry if I've been thrown off this whole time I've been talking. It's because that's just been like right there, you know. I'm trying to like, yeah, it's okay, yeah. It's a lot. But I mean, that's yeah. That's like the representation, right? It's we, like it's actually what's happening. It's like yeah. online. That's what we. It, it's really that is the personification of like what is going on in these online right. discussions and the fact that it is people. Right. Yeah. And this is, I mean, again, like this happens. Let to me you. just take a sip of wine. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess I, I'm going to open it up to everyone in a second, but I just wanted to see what have you learned about yourself in this journey of being a model, being a feminist, being an activist? Um, what have you learned the most? You just got to be absolutely fucking unapologetic. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you, just, you really, really just have to know yourself. And thank you. Yeah. A lot. yeah. You just, you have to know yourself and you... You have to know yourself, but you also have to know what you're talking about. Mm. And I think it's really, really important, particularly if you have any kind of platform and if you're going to talk about any topic, don't just speak from your own experience. You have to read other people's perspectives. Like right. me, in, in terms of being a feminist, like yeah, it would be a disaster if I wasn't reading like bell hooks or right. you know, like other women's perspectives. It's just so fundamentally important that you should always speak from obviously your own personal experience because that's where you're coming from and mm-hmm. you have a voice and that's really important. Your story is important. But to have the lens of other experiences so you're aware of yeah. the responsibility to like not be fucked up. Right. You know, like not, you know, like not say certain things that are like just not okay. Um, and then one last question. What do you want your legacy to be? I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess... That's not, not something I really think about. And maybe that's, again, like, the disconnect between, like, having stuff be more online rather than in person and just, like, putting these ideas out there and just, like, hoping that they land or, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. I don't Still have any come. specific goal. Like I said, it, for me, it's more just about... It's just about planting that seed of thought and, and putting just that, that tiny little seedling of an idea that hopefully, even if it's just in a small percentage of people that are viewing what I'm talking about, even if they just see an example of a woman who 
is who she is, does what she does, and is a person that is not able to be put in any particular box. Yeah. That in enough that in itself is enough of a statement for me. Like yeah. you can't put me into a box. You can't like right. say I'm this or that. Yeah. So then in itself that's if, enough. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of enough. And whatever comes from that, like, it, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we want to definitely open it up for Q&A. So um, Sunny is going to come around with a microphone. So if anyone has any questions, just raise your hand, and we will come around. Yeah. Let me make sure. Okay. okay. After I interrupted you several times, I'm so sorry with my phone. <laughs> um, we have, my husband and I own a uh, website uh, design firm. And we had clients in Australia. And one of the things that we noticed that was really kind of shocking to us at first, with the breast augmentation, uh, our client and his wife said, oh, no, you don't have to cover them up. In Australia, that's not an issue. But here, you have to, you know, say you're about to see something and you have to agree. Is that freedom of the body something that you grew up with that you don't quite still see in the United States yet? It's definitely, um, that's a great question, thank you so much. It's definitely different. And again, even myself and my upbringing being around the art world, um, my parents being art publishers, I was exposed to so much just images of the female body nude and stuff like that, um, that it was never something to me that was necessarily like sexualized. Um, I did notice moving to America that attitudes maybe around women's bodies are, are different. I don't necessarily see that as a good or bad. I just kind of, I try and look at things of just like, oh, that's what it is. Um, I want to understand why. I don't want to say it's good or bad, but like, oh, okay, I guess this is more of, um, Australia is probably more of a secular country. I don't think that religion plays as much of a role um, as it does here, and that's, again, it's not a good or bad thing, it's just a cultural difference. So I think that probably plays a part of it. Um, but I think, yeah, fundamentally growing up around art as much as I was, and just that exposure to seeing um, women's bodies in, in the lens of fine art, where it's not necessarily sexualized, it's just kind of a part of life. But also the culture is so just like, Beachside, it's just very, it is more laid back. And um, that probably has affected how yeah, I see it. I would think so. Myself and also just other women or just bodies in general. Mm -hmm. Again, I think I mentioned earlier, like I don't necessarily even feel like humans are that connected to our bodies at all. Like we're just kind of like, this is like a thing that we're just like, our spirits are just in and we're just yeah. roaming around in and people right. assign so much meaning to that. You know, I, I personally just don't, I, I don't, I don't, you don't connect with yeah, it, yeah, I don't attach, I don't attach those thoughts to it. It's good. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh. Hi. <laughs> um, as far as judgment and shaming and just all the different stereotypes and perceptions that women get placed and even men too, just people in general, do you think we'll ever be able to kind of eradicate it or lower it due to the fact that a lot of it is based off of perception and maybe like a little bit of confirmation bias in so many things? Or do you think there's ways to like lessen it or just, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Again, that's another great question. Um, I think I touched on earlier, I think this is again a good thing about social media, right? Because it's like we, we're in control of our own narrative. Right. You know, like you can put whatever picture of yourself, however you want to be seen, however you want to look, and, and you are in control of what you're putting out there and in control of like what the caption says, like what mm -hmm. you're actually saying in this. So I think that's in the future, it, it's going to continually um, evolve and I think that that's a huge tool in that. Yeah. Um, there's a really great book that I encourage everybody to read, and it's called Hope in the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. And in that book, whenever I'm feeling down about things and, like, the state of the world and, like, just how messed up a lot of things are right now um, in terms of things being progressive and feeling like you're beating your head against a brick wall and things aren't happening fast enough and it just kind of feels hopeless at times... Um, what I like about that book is 
she kind of gives a um, peripheral kind of perception of like actually how fast things are moving and you know just the, the kind of concept of like it can feel like we're really stuck but in reality a lot of the time like the arrow gets pulled back mm. before it's let go and it we propel forward so I actually do have hope for the future I think that things can feel really overwhelming and um discouraging and there's definitely so much work to do but I do think that when you look at the whole like history of the world like where we even were 10 years ago where we even were 20 years ago is like very different to where we are now and I think that maybe not in our lifetime or you know whenever it is but I do think it is going to get there and I think again social media plays a part in that because we really just have this tool to connect to each other as humans a in like controlling how we're putting ourselves out there and also connecting to other people and how they identify and how they want to be presented and and be perceived so I do think it's actually gonna get there I just think it's gonna take time and I think that um, it comes down to undoing, you know. A lot of inter- stuff has been yeah. done. And a lot of people to be... Conditioning and, and also internalized misogyny too. It's, we just got to undo it all. and yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a lot of people to be on the same page as that yeah. you are, you know, and to recruit people to... Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody else have a question? Hi. Hi. Um, thank you for speaking tonight. I think you're doing a great job. And I'm so sorry that you have to deal with all of that. It's fine. <laughs> um, my question actually pertains to that. Do you have, like, when you have to deal with all that, how do you manage, like, your anger and your stress and stuff like that? Because I know it would get to me and I would want to, like, hit somebody. So, like, how do you, you know, do healthy ways of coping with all of that? Um, Stalkers, not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's... um. I've had my I've had my fair share of intense and scary experiences. That's that in itself is like a blip on the radar to me in terms of things that I've been through that I don't even want to get which into. Is, which is really sad that that's a blip on your radar. You know what I no, mean? No, it is. That that's like literally nothing. <laughs> but um, I think it comes down to this. Um, my mantra is: hurt people, hurt people. Right? Nobody. Nobody who is looking at me and feeling away or anybody who's judging anybody for any reason, nobody has a reason to do that if they are, first of all, healthy, mentally healthy, if they're okay, if they're not hurting. So I, I through mindfulness, meditation and, and stuff like that, that's become really important to me to just kind of like accept that like people are hurt and maybe they're going to like project onto me and, and they, they've got expectations of the, or they've got ideas that they're, they've got attachments to that aren't maybe necessarily in alignment with like reality or who, or who I am or what they want me to be. And I think, it, I mean, it really doesn't have anything to do with you. No, it doesn't. You know what I mean? It's not about, it's about their own trauma. Right, you know? it is. And, and it's, it's, it's a projection. Right. You know, I think that we, we, we all have projections and we're all kind of looking at each other, oh, what does it mean if you dress this way or dress that way or, yeah. or you didn't talk to me or you didn't text me back or what is that? You know, when we're all jumping to conclusions all the time. And, and like I said, it's just knowing that hurt people hurt people and nobody, nobody is, is putting that out there, any sort of negativity, if they are feeling 100%. If they're good. Yeah. Like, nobody who is fundamentally okay and good is, mm-hmm. like, is going to have do that. Yeah. 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 Do we have one more question? Yeah. Two more? My question, um, as somebody who is a social media influencer, do you have any advice or recommendations for women? I feel like... Um, in my own social media world, I feel super filtered and very hesitant sometimes to be very honest and forthcoming about my feelings. Sometimes it's something as simple as like, oh, is my job going to take a look at this? And are they going to judge in a certain way? Are my friends or my family going to see things in a certain way? 
how do you, what do you recommend as far as, again, being totally honest with your social media? Because I do feel like it is such a, a, a great way to reach people and to be, again, honest about your beliefs and about your ideas. How do you, how do you battle that when you face a lot of backlash from it? And how would you recommend that for other people to deal with? I'm really glad you asked this because it's something that I, it's stressful and it's really difficult to navigate, especially with like this whole space of being a social media influencer. This is very new, right? It's kind of like the wild, wild west. And I feel like as we go, we're kind of just like figuring it out. Um, I've definitely, even in my modeling, not just on social media, but like campaigns that I've done, I may not necessarily held the same values as, as whatever companies I was representing. And, and you've still got to make a living, right? So it's like, how do you navigate it? But what I will say is this, I feel like the more that I've been outspoken, um, particularly at the start when I really made that decision, like I'm just going to be who I am and be what I'm about and I can't turn back now. It's almost like you have to reach that threshold of like, I can't contain it anymore. I just want to be myself and I just want to speak and, and fuck what anybody says or even fuck taking a pay cut. Like I'm just going to do me. Once you kind of make that decision, um, on the other side of that is going to be first and foremost, you're going to get a lot of that. <laughs> you're going to get a lot of backlash. You're going to get a lot of anger. Um, but that's kind of great in a way, right? Because it's like it's um, a process of elimination. So you get all the people that might not necessarily like you for you. They're all going to leave and move on. And what comes in after that is people that are on the same page and that and the support. And and I think that's the reward. That's the reward you get um, for being fundamentally you. And um, I think, you know, on social media particularly, there's so much branding, there's so many images that we see replicated over and over and over again. It can kind of just become um, just like this sea of like just like the same kind of stuff that we're seeing over and over. So I do think that even though it might feel like this could be the end of your career if you like talk about this or you, or you talk about that or you take a stance here. It's probably actually going to be the thing that makes you stand out and makes you connect and makes people engage with you a lot more and um, you're going to find that you'll get supporters that are even more like ride or die for you yeah. because you've taken that leap of faith to just put yourself out there and people people want to see authenticity like I they just so. want to see real shit you know so whatever it is that you have to say I would encourage you to just step into it and and you know like jump off the deep end with it and just go for it and if you especially talking about things that are that matter and are really important particularly in the climate that we live in I almost feel like you have it we have a duty Right, it's not. It come. It reaches a point where it's not even about us, right? It's about if if we have a platform, we need to be talking about this because that it, it's a responsibility. So if that helps you take it outside of you and make it not even so much about you, but just like you got to show up, you know, it's important. Yes. Yeah, so hope it works out. <laughs> <laughs> and we have one more question, and then after this, we will just open it up if you guys want to grab more food or wine okay. and. Um, you, I came a little late, so I apologize. You no may worries. have already addressed this, but um, you bring up feminism to the male gaze. We've done this a lot um, tonight, but I was wondering, within feminism itself, it's a very faceted idea and concept, and there's a lot of different types of fe feminism, and just like any idea, there's radicalists, there's a lot of people. Um, and there's a lot of different types of women, you know, women of color, queer women, trans women, all of these women deserve to feel equal mm -hmm. to each other. And it's not just people get to pick and choose. So how do you think that we, and also, you know, there's, you know, a concept of white feminism that people bring up a lot, say, well, you don't understand this because you don't know the struggles. But like you said, understanding and reading up on the issues I feel like we can better support, but how would you, how would you, um, or how could we better support other people and kind of close that gap within the different types of feminism? Right, I'm so glad that you asked this because this is what I really love. Um, when I first stepped into this kind of role, I was messing up <laughs> in all ways. Like, um, I made a lot of mistakes and I'm very grateful for having like girlfriends in my life or friends that were like, 
don't, you know? Um, I think what's really important in what I've um, become more and more inclined to do is like, say on a, um, on a forum like Twitter, for example, I don't necessarily need to state my thoughts on every issue. I have the power to just retweet somebody who's already living that experience and they've already got their words on it and it doesn't have to be my words and I'll just, to me, that's the perfect example of like, you don't actually have to talk about everything. You can just like elevate other people that are already talking about it that know better than you. And I think it comes down to like, knowing enough to know that you don't know is really important. And um, I think what's also really important is just, I feel like I've reached a point in my life now where I actually get really excited to be wrong. Like I'm actually, ex I actually thirst to be wrong. It, it's, it's, people are very defensive usually about being wrong and it's so scary and we're like, oh, we might say the wrong thing and get dragged. If you can step into a um, space of actually being welcoming of that, like if I was to do something wrong, I have such a respect for the people that are gonna let me know that I've hurt them or I said, said something the wrong way or I messed up or you know, um, you know, I, I, I misspoke or I, I spoke over somebody or whatever it is. And I think just being excited and welcoming of being wrong or not knowing because there's a discovery in that, right? That, that is an, anytime you're wrong, anytime you don't know something, that's an opportunity for growth and understanding the thing that you care about and are so passionate about that much further and that much deeper. And anytime that somebody takes the time out of their day to let you know that you have done something that they don't like, they're giving you energy. Like they're actually taking the time out of their day to like tell you that they care about whether or not you're being accurate about this. And that's labor, right? So it's like being thankful for the fact that they've, they're telling you this rather than just being like, oh, she's, a, she's ignorant you know, and just going about their day. Like, I actually really appreciate when people do tell me that, that there's been something um, that hasn't quite landed. You know, it was interesting. I think it was about two or three weeks ago. Um, I got into, like, this Twitter argument with Terry Crews. Like, yeah, and, yeah, and honestly, I yeah. fucked, I, I actually fucked up and I said, I said, like, I just said one word that I, I felt after the fact. I'm like, hey, that, I shouldn't have said that, like, yeah. You know, I, I'm sure you guys are aware he's like, um, you know, he's he's been given this like platform of advocacy, like talking about like um, assault survivors and stuff like that. But then lately he's been saying some statements which are maybe like not in alignment with like how everybody's feeling in terms of, you know, like gender roles and stuff like that. So he was saying a lot of things that were very hurtful. And um, a girlfriend of mine, Shamia, had quote tweeted something he said because uh, she had been raised without a parent because uh, her mother passed away. And he had said something like, I think it was like the malnourished thing or something. Yeah, something like yeah if you are raised with just one parent, like you're malnourished. And she had quoted and been like, well, I guess I'm just fucked then because my mom died, you know? And I, I had replied to him and I was like, you're hurting people, you know, like you're hurting people. And I, I feel like, he just dug his heels in and wanted so much to just be like, right? Or he just wasn't open to like hearing that I started to get riled up and I started to get really irritated with like how his responses were. And I ended up saying like, oh, you know, you co-opted this movement and made it about you, like you centered yourself. And I realized maybe like the next day I was like, I shouldn't have said he co-opted it. I shouldn't have said that. I should have said he's centering himself in a conversation that mainly affects women, but he did not co-opt that movement because he is an assault survivor and I do believe him as a victim so I shouldn't have said that no. um, so I went back and I quote tweeted myself and I'm like I shouldn't have said this but here's what I should have said and I think it just comes down to that like being open to being wrong no one none of us are going to be saying the perfect thing all the time like we get heated emotions you know run and and we if we're passionate about these topics we're gonna get on a random tangent and just go for it sometimes and maybe we'll just slip up here and there and and not realize like there's little things here and there that like have an impact but just I think it just comes down to like being accountable 
and, and being accountable against be wrong and just knowing like you're not going to get it right 100% of the time but that doesn't mean you should just say nothing it just means that you should be open and willing to grow if and when somebody's like eh you missed the mark on this you know that's all you can do you know? Well, Emily, thank you so much for being here. Um, we'll give a round of applause. <laughs> we really appreciate you celebrating Women's History with us month with and us. Happy birthday! Can we all say happy birthday to Kyle? Oh. <laughs> happy birthday thank you. to you! No, don't sing. Happy no. birthday to you! Happy birthday uh. to Kyle! <laughs> happy birthday to you! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I am blushing now, but uh, but yeah, everyone, feel free to um, mingle and talk for a little bit, and then if you want to grab some more refreshments on your way out, please do. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you all for coming.